be with us as we try to preach your word and use this as a time to be able to minister to your people. And Lord, uh, thank you again for those who would come to church on a Sunday night when it's Christmas Day. And Lord, thank you for their faithfulness. We love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. All right. Excuse me. Well, we're there in the last chapter of, of Genesis. And I, I can't be- even believe we're here. I've been... I've been preaching through Genesis on Sunday night since this church started uh, just a few months over a year ago, and uh, I don't, you know, I'm excited about next Sunday night starting the soul winning series, but I'm sad to see the book of Genesis go. And I'd like to, you know, I understand that you know today is Christmas Day, and um, I understand that you know we. We all have things we could be doing and, and stuff like that, and I'm thankful that you're here. So I really don't want to preach very long tonight, but I do want to just show you a few things from this passage. If you remember from last week, uh, Jacob was getting ready to die. And actually, go back to chapter 49 and look at verse number 28. I want you to see, we covered Jacob uh, dealing with his sons right before he died, but we never actually talked about his death. And we could preach an entire sermon just from the last part of verse uh, of chapter 49. We're not going to do that. But look at verse number 28, the Bible says, And all these are the twelve tribes of Israel. And this is it that their father spake unto them, and blessed them every one according to his blessings. He blessed them. And he charged them, and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephraim the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephraim the Hittite for a possession of a burying place. He's saying, look, I want you to bury me where Abraham, you know, if you remember the story about Abraham, Abraham purchased a cave and, he, and that's where Abraham was buried and that's where uh, Jacob would like to be buried. Look at verse 31. He, Jacob says to his sons, there they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried Leah. And I always think it's interesting. He, he loved Rachel, but Leah was his first wife. And when they buried Abraham with Sarah, his wife, and when they buried uh, uh, Isaac with Rebekah, his wife, notice Jacob doesn't get buried with Rachel, the one he loved, his second wife. They buried him with Leah. I always think that's interesting in the Word of God. But it says, And there I buried Leah, verse 32, the purchase of the field and of the cave that is therein was from the children of Heth. And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. And I just think that's, that, has, that shows so much dignity on Jacob's part. And I, I, you know, I would hope that I would be able to die like that. Just go through and tell off everybody you don't like. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much what he did. And then he just, you know, just picks up his feet, puts them in bed and just gives up the ghost, you know. And then he, he didn't do that. We know he was blessing his children and that's what he was doing. But he just, the Bible says he yielded the ghost. He's dead. Verse 1 of chapter 50, the Bible says, And Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him, and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel. I want you to see, in, in chapter 49, Jacob died. In chapter 50, Joseph and his brothers uh, begin the process of burying their father. And 40 days were fulfilled, verse 3, for him. For so are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed, and the Egyptians mourned for him threescore and ten days. And when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die in my, in my grave, which I have... Di-, I'm sorry... 
My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die. In my grave which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan, there shalt thou bury me. Now therefore let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. And Pharaoh said, Go up, and bury thy father according as, as he made thee swear. So he's getting permission from Pharaoh, saying, Can I leave Egypt? And can I go bury my father? He made me swear on his deathbed that I would bury him in a certain place in Canaan. Verse 7. And Joseph went up to bury his father. And I want you to notice this. And with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. So they were treating Jacob as if he was some sort of a national figure. I mean, this was a state-type burial. You know, all the big wigs there of Egypt went down with uh, Joseph and his brethren to this funeral service. Verse 8, And all the house of Joseph and his brethren and his father's house, only their little ones and their flocks and their herds, they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was very, and it was a very great company. So there's a lot of people here. Verse 10, And they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond Jordan. And there they mourned with a great and very sore lamentation, and he made a mourning for his father seven days. So they get to this uh, threshing floor of Atad, and that's where they stop, and they have there for seven days a funeral service, a uh, mourning service for seven days. They mourn Jacob there. Right before they crossed over Jordan. And in verse 11 it says, And when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites saw the mourning in the floor of Atad, they said, This is a grievous mourning to the Egyptians. Wherefore the name of it was called Abel-Mizraim, which is beyond Jordan. And his sons, verse 12, And his sons did unto him according as he commanded them. For his sons carried him into the land of Canaan, and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah, which Abraham bought with a field for a possession of a burying place of Ephron the Hittite before Mamre. So I want you to notice also, just, just so you understand what's going on, they stop at this threshing floor of Atad, they mourn for seven days, but then only the sons of Jacob take his body over the Jordan, into Canaan land, into the promised land, to this burying place, and they bury their father. Look at verse 14. And Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father after he had buried his father. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us, and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. His brothers begin to get worried. That word peradventure there means perhaps or possibly. And they said, Joseph will perhaps hate us. He may possibly hate us. Why? And will certainly requite. That word requite means to repay. It's talking about retaliation. He's saying he will certainly repay us all the evil which we did unto him. His brothers begin to get nervous after the death of Jacob. And they're thinking Joseph is going to maybe try to get revenge for the evil we've done. He hasn't done anything to us because our father has been alive. And and he may, you know, requite this of us. He may get revenge on us. Look at verse 16. And they sent the messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sins, and they did unto, for they did unto thee, and now we, I want you to notice that, because they sent the messenger saying, Hey, our dad said that you need to forgive us, but then they say, We pray thee, forgive the trespasses of the servants of God of thy fathers. 
And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And I'm not preaching on forgiveness tonight, but I want you to understand, this is the first time we see in scriptures that they actually, as a whole group, are confessing their sins and they're saying, hey, please forgive us. And it's interesting because we saw Judah before kind of come to that place where he confessed and he, he came to the end of himself, but we never really saw the rest of the brothers do it. And we never really saw them, you know, call out the issues and the sins that they sinned against Joseph. But here they say, we pray thee, forgive the trespasses of the servants of God. And now, just a few things for you to think about, and I'm not preaching on, on the subject of forgiveness or, or what this is talking about, but, you know, uh, something that you may want to think about. It says, they said that their father said that. Now, the scripture never shows us Jacob telling them that. But the Bible also doesn't tell us that they were lying. So, I really don't see a reason to believe why, you know, that they would be lying about this. I, I would tend to lean to the fact that, that, Joseph, that Jacob really did tell them this, that they needed. Because you remember, Jacob was always thinking. He's all, you know, so I'm sure he took his brother and he said, he said, listen, when I'm dead, you guys need to send a messenger and ask for forgiveness and, and get right because you don't want Joseph to, you know, that sounds like something Jacob would do. Because that's what he, remember when he met with Esau, remember when he met all those people. So in verse 17, he says, so shall ye say unto Joseph, forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sins, as for they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespasses of the servants. And I want you to see this. Notice what they refer to themselves. It, it seems as if his brothers have gone right with God. Because you remember these twelve brothers used to be very wicked, very evil people. They wanted nothing to do with God. They wanted nothing to do with, you know, they were in adultery, and they were in fornication, and they were doing all, you know, they were murdering people, doing all sorts of bad things. But here they say, many years later, they say, we pray thee, forgive the trespasses. Look, what this, look how they refer to themselves. Of the servants of the God of thy father. They say, they refer to themselves as the servants of God. So it seems as they've legitimately gone right with God. And I want you to see Joseph's response. The last part of verse 17, it says, And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his heart broke when they said these things to him. And for tonight, I want you to just, I want to very quickly give you three points. I'd like you to see... Joseph was a great character of faith in the scriptures. And I want you to see how faith worked in the life of Joseph and how he responded to situations through the vision and through the eyes of faith. Point number one is this. Joseph saw his, pa his past was seen through faith. His past was seen through faith. Here we find his brothers asking him for forgiveness. They're bringing up events that happened many, many years ago and they're saying... Please forgive us. In verse 18 the Bible says, And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. <coughs> so they literally came to Joseph and they bowed down and they said, We will be your servants. We will be your slave. Remember they sold him into slavery? Now they're saying, Hey, we'll be your slave. Will you please forgive us? Will you please not requite the evil that we've done to you? I like to see Joseph's response, verse 19, the Bible says, And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? And I want you to look at verse number 20. Verse number 20 is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. And Joseph says to his brethren, he says, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day, to save much people alive. And I want you to notice something about Joseph. When Joseph looked back on the past of his life, when Joseph looked back on all the hurt of his life, on all the bad 
beginning of his life, on all the trials and tribulations, when he looked back, and you know, we don't have to recount it, I mean, we've gone through it for many weeks now, but you know, when his brethren lied about him, when they sold him into slavery, when Potiphar's wife lied about him, and had him thrown into prison, when the uh, chief butler and the chief baker, or when they forgot about him there, in prison for over two years, and he was lied about, and he didn't deserve to go through all those trials, and to go, you know, many years, many, many years wasted as a slave, wasted in prison, many, you know, this young man, and now an older man, could have and hold a whole lot of bitterness in his life, but the thing that made Joseph be such a great man of faith is this, when he looked back on the past of his life, on the hurt of his life, on the trials of his life, he didn't look at it as, I have been hurt, and I have been mistreated, and I have been lied about and misused, and you deserve to be punished, he looked at it through faith, and he said, you know what, I realize, brothers, is that and God worked this out for good. He says in verse 20, he says, he says, but as for you, he said, you had an agenda. He said, he thought evil against me. But then he said, but God meant it unto good. He said, why? To bring much, to, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Okay. See, when, when Joseph looked at his past, he didn't look at it. In physical terms, this is what has been done to me. He looked at it through the eyes of faith and he realized, wow, God actually had his hand through all this. God brought me here. Why? Because of Joseph, many people lived. Because of Joseph, many people didn't die. And more importantly than that, because of Joseph, the lineage that would bring us the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, survived through this famine and was able to go into history as the children. I mean, for if it, Joseph is the reason that the family of Israel turned into the nation of Israel. Do you understand that? And it was God's plan. And Joseph looked at his friends and looking at the past, he said, he said, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much life. He said, you had your intentions, but God had His intentions. And God allowed this to fulfill His will. Do you remember this morning when we were talking about Christmas? And we're talking about how God would be willing to inconvenience the entire world, to tax the entire world, to make the entire world go back into cities and nations that they were from to fulfill. And He did all that just to get to, to just to get one young lady, Mary, in the right place to bring us the Messiah. And that same principle is Joseph applying here and realizing God was willing to have me be a slave for many years. God was willing to have me be in prison for many years. God was willing to have me serve punishments that I did not deserve. God was willing to have me sold into slavery and be lied about and he was willing to do all that to accomplish one thing to fulfill his will and he looked back through eyes of faith and he said I can, I can cope with what you've done to me because I understand why you did it go to Genesis 45 look at verse number 3 do you remember when Joseph initially revealed himself to his brethren Genesis chapter 5 verse 3 Remember when he initially revealed himself to his brethren? He said, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Does my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they troubled. They were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves. Can you imagine that? He just revealed himself to them. And he's comforting them. He's ministering to them. He's saying, hey, don't be grieved or angry with yourselves. He said that you sold me hither. Look what he says. For God did send me 
before you to preserve life. He said, for these two years have the famine been in the land, and yet there are five in the which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. And God, look what he says, and God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth, to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now, look what he says, look at verse 8, don't miss it. He says, so now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. Do you see that? And you will be able to walk through trials and walk through tribulations and walk through being lied to and walk through being sold in slavery, walk through all those whatever, anytime you say, somebody hurt me, somebody did wrong to me, you can walk through that if you look at it in the way that God looks at it and realize, God allowed that. Here's what you got to understand as a Christian, everything that happens in our life is filtered through God. See, nothing happens in your life without it first coming through God. See, when Job was going through the issues and trials of life, he knew that God knew. Everything is filtered through God. Every, if something is allowed, if cancer is allowed, it's, it's there because God allowed it. I'm not saying God put it there, but God allowed it. Go with me to Romans chapter number 8. Look at verse number 28. We saw there in uh, Je- Genesis 50 that powerful verse, but if you look at Romans chapter number 8, you've got an equally powerful verse, very well-known verse in the Bible, Romans chapter number 8, look at verse number 28, look what it says. Romans chapter number 8, look at verse 28. This is what Joseph understood. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that... What's the next word? You see that? All. You see that? It says, and we know that all. He says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Joseph understood this. He understood that God could use all things. Even bad things? Yes, all things. Even even sin, even wickedness, even when I've been hurt, even when I've been lied about, all things can work together for good. Now listen to listen to me, because you've got to understand something. This verse does not say that all things are good. Do you understand that? It doesn't say that all things are good. It says that God is powerful enough to use all things to work together for good. Not everything that happens in your life happened because God. Many of the things that happened to Joseph happened because of man's sin and because of man's wickedness and because of man's selfishness and because of man's flesh and because of man's unwillingness to have the character and integrity to do right by him. God didn't put that sin in their life, but God can use that sin for good. He can bring all together. He says, all things were to even the bad, all things were together for good. So then that love God. To them who are called according to His purpose. This is a very well-known example, but I've, I've heard this example many times, and it fits so perfectly. You know, you think of, uh, of somebody baking something. You know, think, think about my, my wife's, I like to call them her, world-famous chocolate chip cookies. Everybody loves those chocolate chip cookies. And you, yeah, amen, praise the Lord. But here's the thing, you, you, think about, you think about the ingredients that it takes to make those delicious cookies. Think about it. Get some flour and just, just get a scoop of, you know, the flour that she used to make those great. Just take a big, huge bite out of it. You think it's going to taste good? It's going to be all sticky in your mouth and all nasty. You know what I'm talking about? You, if you get a big old, and some of you might like this, but it's not good for you. You, know, you get a big old, you know, just spoonful of sugar and just sit in your mouth. That's not necessarily delicious. 
You know, I don't, and, I, and, that, and, that, and by the way, that's all I know about baking. I, I know there's flour, and I know there's sugar. You know, or, or you know, you, I, I think there's eggs in there, you know, I'm sure. You know, you crack those eggs there, and just take those raw eggs, and just stick them in your mouth. No, they're so delicious. That's not good. Here's what you gotta understand. When, when you're bringing all these ingredients together, you know, for ba- you know, baking soda, I don't know if you use baking soda, but you know, I know there's something you use. Bake, just take a big old spoonful of baking soda and just stick it in your mouth. Does, does that taste good? Does a big old spoonful of salt taste good? It, it doesn't taste good. None of these things individually taste good, but here's a beautiful thing. You take the baking soda and the salt and the sugar and the flour and the milk and the eggs, you put them all together, stick them in an oven, and they make very delicious cookies. You understand what I'm saying? See, all these things individually aren't good, but you bring them together and they work for good. And in your life, I'm not saying everything you've gone through and every trial has necessarily been something that God gave you. It might have been sin. It might have been wrong. It might have to be dealt with. But let me tell you something. Don't let that stop you because all things, even bad things, even nasty things, even things that don't taste good by themselves, together can work together for good. And Joseph understood this. And he looked at his past, and he saw it through the eyes of faith. His past was seen through faith. I said, number one, his his past was seen through faith, but number two, I'd like you to see, his present was lived by faith. His presence was lived by faith. You're there in Romans chapter number 8. Go with me to Romans chapter number 1. Romans chapter number 1, look at verse number 17. Romans chapter number 1, look at verse 17. The Bible says this, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Look what it says. From faith to faith. The Bible says this. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Romans 1.17. The just shall live by faith. And Joseph lived this life of faith. Now, keep your finger in Romans because we're coming right back to it, okay? But go with me to Genesis chapter number 50. But keep your finger there in Romans. We're going to come right back to it. Go to Genesis chapter number 50. Look at verse number 19. Not only did, was Joseph able to identify his past through the eyes of faith and see faith working in his past, but he was able to live his life in the presence by faith as well. Look at uh, Genesis chapter number 50. Look at verse 19. Look, look how his brethren are they're asking him, please forgive us, please don't requite this evil of us. And in verse 19 he says, And Joseph said unto them, look what he says, fear not. And, and notice the, very, the next phrase, very interesting phrase. He says, for am I in the place of God? He says, you know what, guys? If you deserve vengeance, and if you deserve revenge, he said, it's not my place to deliver it. He said, am I in the place of God? Am I the one who should revenge you? Who should avenge myself? He said, look, if you deserve punishment, I believe. He said, I have faith that God will punish you if that's what you need. But he said, you know what? Because of that faith, I understand that I don't have to sulk. I don't have to be bitter. I don't have to try to, you know, force my vengeance on you. And, and, and he wouldn't have much trouble. Joseph was the second most powerful man in the world. He could have snapped his finger and had their heads cut off. But he said, you know what? I've got faith to take care of that. He said, am I in the place of God? You understand that? Go to Romans chapter number 12. I, I told you to keep your finger there in Romans, right? Go to Romans chapter number 12. Look at verse 19. Look what the Bible says. Romans chapter number 12. Look at verse 19. Look what it says. Romans chapter number 12 and verse 19. The Bible says, Dearly beloved. Romans chapter number 12, verse 19. 
Romans 12, 19 says, Dearly beloved, look what it says, Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Do you see that? See, as Christians, it's not our job to, to get revenge. You just give that to God. See, Joseph see, Joseph was a man of faith because he said, look, am I in the place of God? I'm not going to... Look, if you deserve punishment, God will punish you. He said, I understand that God said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. He said, it's not... you know. And as Christians, we ought not be living like, so-and-so did this to me, and I'm going to make sure I get the back. I didn't get the Christmas present I want. And their birthday's coming up. <laughs> I'm going to get them. That's not, that's not how we should live. See, you guys are laughing because you're with me. By the way, my birthday's coming. I don't know. I'm just joking. But you know, we shouldn't live like that. I'm going to make sure they know how much pain I went through. See, if Joseph would have lived like that, I promise you this, he wouldn't have lived to 110. Because he, had, he could have allowed so much bitterness to grow in him. But he understood this principle right here. He said... The Bible says, it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. He says, God, and, and, and we understand that he understood that because he looks at his brothers. You can go back to Genesis uh, 50. He looks at his brothers and he says, am I in the place of God? He says, am I in the place of God? He said, I'm not. He said, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Look at verse 21. Not only... Did Joseph not avenge himself? He was also Christ-like and God-like in his walk. Not only did he not avenge himself, but he also forgave them, and he was kind to them. Look at verse number 21. Look what it says. They're saying, please don't requite the evil we've done. Please don't repay. Please don't you know, hurt us. We're so sorry. We'll be your servants. We're afraid of what you're going to do. And in verse 21, he says, now therefore, fear ye not. You know what he's saying? Here's what he's saying. I forgive you. He said, I could requite the evil. I could, requ- I could do whatever I want to you. But he said, you have nothing to fear. He said, now therefore, fear ye not. Look what he says. I will nourish you. And your little ones. Look what it says. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. You know that his faith allowed him not only to forgive them and say, hey, don't worry about it. But he also was able to be kind to them. And that's very Christ-like. Go with me to Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. Look at verse number 32. Ephesians 4.32. Look what the Bible says. Did you notice that he said, fear not? And he said, he spake kindly unto them. It's very interesting. Because in Ephesians 4.32, the Bible says this, Be ye kind, one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. The Bible says, these are attributes of God, forgiveness and kindness. It says, be ye kind, one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And the Bible says that Joseph looked at his brethren and they were apologizing and they were groveling and they were saying, I'm so sorry, please don't hurt us, we're so afraid. And he said, hey, fear not. And then in the same verse it says, he, was, he spoke kindly unto them. And Ephesians 4.32 tells us to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving, the same way even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Do you see that? You know, as Christians, this word ought to, this is the word that ought to characterize us as Christian, kind. 
being kind. I think we've, we've gotten so away from that in our society today. Today, people are just rude. And a lot of people just pride themselves on being rude. But, but you know what's even worse than people who just pride themselves on being rude? It's people who are rude and don't even realize it. You know, and if you just lived your life in this way, if you, you know, before you open your mouth and just start spewing out things to people, you should, you should filter your words through this. Would I like it if they said that to me? Because you will find that we will very easily snap our words at someone, but if they said that to us, oh man, I'm going to write that down and get my vengeance. You know what I'm talking about? We ought to be kind. We ought to be nice. And look, this is something I struggle with. <laughs> Being nice. But we should be kind. Be kind one to another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. The Bible says that He forgave them. The Bible says that He comforted them. The Bible says that He was kind unto them. And I want you to see, because, because of His faith, He could look at the past and, and, and give it to God and say, God, I see your work in that. But because of His faith in the present, He didn't have this overwhelming desire. He said, hey, I believe God will repay. So I'm not going to worry about it. I'll just be kind. I'll fear not. And he was very Christ-like, he was very God-like. Number three, this is the last point, we're done. Go to Genesis chapter number 50, look at verse 22. Genesis chapter number 50, look at verse 22. Not only did Joseph see his past through faith, not only did Joseph live his present by faith, but Joseph saw his, or his future rested in faith. Look at Genesis chapter 50, look at verse 22. The Bible says, And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived in 110 years. So you guys thought I was just making that number up, but that's how long he lived. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. The children also of Maker, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon Joseph's knee. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. Notice what he says. He says, I die. Look what he says. And God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land into the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Joseph gathered up his brethren and he said, hey, I'm getting ready to die, but let me tell you something. As much as I know that I'm standing right here, I can tell you I know that God is going to visit you. And he's going to bring you out of this land because God made a promise to Abraham. God made a promise to Jacob, to Isaac. God made a promise to Jacob. God made a promise and God keeps his promises. He says, I know that God will visit you. And he says, because I know that God will visit you. Look at verse 25. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying, look what he says. God will surely visit you and ye shall carry up my bones from thence. Now here's what you got to understand, okay? In Egypt, this is a very peculiar thing, because Egypt, and I'm sure you're aware of this, Egypt, death was a big business in Egypt. People made lots of money, mummifying bodies, putting them in caskets, making places to put that. I mean, they would, you know, history tells us that they would put furniture in these places. They would put, you know, and, and people would go in there years later. Tomb raiders would go in there and raid the tombs for the gold. I mean, they would put gold and they would put furniture. They would put, you know, they'd put servants. They'd put live servants in these tombs, you know, where they're putting these dead cast, you know, these dead, the, these dead people in these caskets. This was big business. 
And Joseph was the second most powerful man in Egypt. And I'm sure people were coming to him and he was getting older. And they're saying, Joseph, don't you think you should start working on that, you know, uh, getting your casket ready? Getting... And this is what Joseph would say. No, see, God's going to visit. You see what I'm saying? His future rested in faith. And he says, see, see, I don't have to worry about, about getting a burial place in Egypt because I know this, that God will surely visit my people. And when God visits my people here in Egypt, I have a request. Will you please carry up my bones from him? You know that, you know that everything in Joseph's life up to this point, hasn't been very impressive. Everything Joseph has lived up to this point, I mean a man of faith, a man of character, a man of integrity, but it's not till verse 25 of chapter 50, literally the second to last verse in the life of Joseph, this is the verse that got implanted in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. Can you believe that? Here, what are you talking about? Go with me to Hebrews 11 in your New Testament. Hebrews chapter number 11 is commonly referred to as the Hall of Faith. You say, what are you talking about? Hebrews 11 is a rundown of the, of the history of the children of Israel where God exemplifies the actions that they took that was by faith. Look at Hebrews 11. and um, you know, I don't want to read the entire chapter, but just look at, look at verse number 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Bible gives us the definition of faith. And the Bible says in verse 2, For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, that things that are seen were not made of things which do appear. And look at verse 4. Verse 4 and on God begins to spell out for us the great works of faith that different people did in the Bible. He says, by faith Abel offered up God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Uh, Verse 7, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into the place which he should have to receive of an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whithersoever he went. Look at verse number... Um, let's, just, let's just skip down to verse number... Uh, it talks about... Go to verse 21. It says, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph, and worshipped, leaning upon his staff. And look at verse 22. I mean, out of everything that Joseph has done, it's been so great. But this is the one thing that lands him in the hall of faith. Hebrews 11, verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, and gave commandments concerning his bones. You know what impressed God about Joseph? The fact that his future rested in faith and Joseph said hey I know I'm going to die in Egypt now if you've been with us on Sunday nights do you know what Egypt represents represents the world you understand that and Joseph said I'm going to die in the world in Egypt but I want you to carry my body to the promised land that represents heaven. You know, you know, this is actually a picture of the rapture. And when Joseph's bones, see, his bones didn't get taken to the promised land. It wasn't like Jacob. See, Joseph had the power and the money to be able to take Jacob's bones immediately into the promised land. But his brethren did not have that political pull in Egypt. And it was literally hundreds of years before Jacob's, before Joseph's bones ever saw the promised land. Because for 430 years, while the children of Israel were enslaved, his bones stayed in Egypt. When God finally brought out the children of Israel by the deliverer, Moses, Moses, the Bible tells us, took 
his bones and carried them out of Egypt, but he carried them into the wilderness. And it wasn't until many, many years later when Joshua finally took the land of Canaan and conquered it and he brought with him finally those bones of Joseph and they buried them in Canaan and for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years those bones, that body of Joseph was a testimony to the children of Israel, was a challenge to the children of Israel, when they would see that casket, when they would see that body, they would say we had a forefather who had faith enough who had vision enough, who said God will surely visit
It starts with so much optimism. It starts with so much, you know, just thinking, wow, what a powerful God. As you're reading Genesis 1, and you're like, wow, man, God has so much power. And then it ends watching an old man die because of sin. And Genesis really is just laying the foundation for us to be able to understand the rest of Scripture. But here's what you got to understand. Here's what the life of Joseph. Even though we completely messed it up, I mean, we messed it up bad. If you think of where we started from the Garden of Eden to an old man dying in Egypt, things have gone bad, but here's how we can live through it. You say, how are we going to survive this life? Here's how you're going to survive it. By faith. That's it. By faith. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much. Thank you for church. Thank you for those who would come, who would be faithful. We love you, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen.